Hey guys, my name is Marcelo Inestroza, and I am the host and the creator of the Red Wall Podcast, a podcast about love, life, and the pursuit of happiness. On top of all that, a podcast about what it's like to live life as a disabled person. Also, a podcast about what it's like to live life as a disabled screenplay writer. So why don't y'all come on and join me on my podcast mission of glory. All right, guys, hope to see you there. Hey guys, welcome to yet another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host, per usual. My name is Marcelo Inesosa, and welcome to episode 41, entitled Living Nightmare. All right, guys. So, on this edition of the show, I want to go over something that I believe I sort of scratched the surface on. In an earlier edition of the podcast, and if I have done so already, I would ask for someone, for anyone who listens to this podcast to basically scream at me uh, on uh, my Twitter handle, twitter.com slash creekfanatic88 to tell me that I went over this already, but uh, for the life of me, I can't remember if I have or I haven't. And truth be told, I'm too fucking lazy to actually uh, rewind the podcast feed, to actually read the titles of uh, of all the um, of all the episodes that I've already done. I'm too fucking lazy to do that, so I'm not gonna do that. So that's why I'm talking about this. Anyway, what I'm what I, what I want to talk about is. Um, the innate fear that I have in me every day of my life. And that innate fear is the simple nightmare situation, if you will, of me waking up one day and finding my grandfather dead in his bed. Um, now, you might be thinking to yourself, why the fuck are you thinking about that? You know that that that's a nightmare situation. Why are you doing? Why are you doing that to yourself? Why are you torturing yourself in such a cruel way? Why why are you doing that? Why are you thinking about that? Nobody in their right mind would be thinking about that. And you would be right. I, what what I am doing is a little masochistic and it's a little bit fucked up. I will give you that, and I will not argue with that assessment that you may or may not have of me. But here's the thing. Um, as I've dealt with death throughout the course of my life, first uh, with uh, a person that my mom worked for, that that was my sort of first real experience with death. And then... Um, Years later, I I had a, a a family member of mine die that was uh, that that wasn't uh, a great experience. Fuck it. What what am I talking about? Death is not death is not designed to be a great experience. It it's designed to be an awful, heart wrenching experience. Whatever the case may be. So rewind that thought. Death is not supposed to be a happy experience. So yeah, I had um so like I said, I had that um 
initial uh, brush with death when I was really young, but uh, when I got older, years later, um, I had someone a little bit more close to me pass away and die, so I really felt that. And then, of course, uh, when I was in middle school, uh, my dad got murdered. Um, so that was really the first dagger into my heart about how unforgiving and how uh, bitchy death can be. And uh, throughout that whole process, I really didn't like the way that I handled myself in that I really didn't like the way that I conducted myself. I thought that I could have been a little bit more composed and and a little bit more put together for the people around me. Now, granted, I can't guarantee you that nobody around me was asking me to be that way because everybody was in a state of shock as to what happened to my father and, and, and the circumstances of his death. So nobody was saying, hey, you should you should really take a step back and you should really stop acting the way you're acting. Nobody 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 asked me to to act better. I just felt that I wasn't giving I wasn't giving the people around me the comfort that they needed. And you know, this might say something about my personality, the way that I'm built. I don't like I generally don't like to see other people suffer. If I can do something to make your day better or make you feel more important at the expense of myself, I will do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, so that whole experience really, you know, scarred me for life. As a matter of fact, every time I think of my dad, the first image that comes to my head, no matter what, um, no, no matter what the contents of thinking of my dad, no matter what, con- no matter what context I'm using to think of my dad, uh, in whatever in whatever particular moment, the first image that pops up in my head is that image of me walking into the funeral home and seeing my dad in the fucking casket. So yeah, there's you know you know you know there's another permanent scar that's permanently seared in my brain that will never go away. Uh, I, no, I can tell you the only time it will go away is. Um, the actually uh, the the time that I actually passed away myself and I actually die uh, because that image will be with me until the day that I die. So uh, fast forward now um, to actually the 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 death uh, in my family that hurt the most and 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 that would be the death of my mother. Um, that one hit me harder because I actually can remember the day that she died, I essentially heard her die in, I mean, I was in my room and, you know, just so you know, the geography of the apartment where I live in, uh, uh, the, the apartment where I live in has two basic rooms. It has my room. And then right next to my room is my mom's room or, or now it's my dad's room. It's my dad's room. Anyway, the, the day that my mom had her, uh, The day that my mom had her 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 deadly uh, um, brain hemorrhage, 
I basically heard her die. I basically heard the brain hemorrhage pop in her head. I basically, for, for about five, for about seven minutes, I heard her be agonized by pain. And, 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 and I heard my father trying to comfort her and trying to calm her down and trying to figure out what was wrong with her, you know? I mean, it must have taken him about five or six minutes to realize that there was really something wrong, you know, you know, and then he called uh, uh, the ambulance. And luckily, my aunt was actually staying with us that night to which she was here and she actually accompanied my mom in the ambulance and, and everything. But essentially. Um, but essentially, I heard my mom die. And that was one of the most terrifying things that I've ever heard in my life. And to this day, I can hear her panic screams and her deep breaths and her overall, her overall, her overall um, panic demeanor. I mean, God, it was, it was, it was, it was fucking terrifying. It was something out of nightmares. I mean, for God's sakes. Um, and the last image I have of my mother, other than the night before, other than, other than saying goodnight to her and then walking back to my room, um, is her being carried away in a stretcher, uh, um, by the ambulance people. And, uh, that was the last time I saw my mom in any state of consciousness that would be considered positive. Because after, um, after that, the next time I saw her, she was basically a vegetable. She was she was dead already. Uh, you know, you know, the only thing that we had to do was sort of like unplug the machine. So, and actually, I, I that's where I made the other mistake. Um, uh, some some family friends came to visit my mom. Uh, the day, uh, the day that we decided to disconnect her from life support, and um, one of them offered to take me home, and one of them actually offered to buy me a McDonald's dinner, and you know, and take me home, and sort of just, sort of just take me away from, from possibly the most depressing, the most the most depressing two days of my life, and I feel love for me. I didn't, I didn't know why I said this, but I said no, I want to stay here. And to this day, I, I to this day, I said to myself, God damn it, fuck it. If I could change one thing about those two nightmarish days, it would be that. I, I wish I would have gone with my family friend and had dinner with him and, and talk with him and just get away from the hospital, man. Because I have, you know, you know uh, another nightmare image that I have in my brain is the image of my mom lying in bed, lying in that hospital bed, conscious, basically brain dead, being hooked up to all those fucking machines. And that image won't ever leave my head. I mean, the only time it will leave my head is, you guessed it, the day that I'm no longer here, the day that I fucking die. I'm lucky that when I don't think about my mom, the first image that pops into my head is is, is her 
is, is that image of her in the hospital bed. With my mom, every time I think of her, I think of a happy memory and, and the image of her lying in that hospital bed with all those fucking tubes uh, connected to her body doesn't pop up. That only happens with my dad. And, and I don't know why uh, that specifically happens with my dad, but it just does. Um, with all that being said, um, now to bring it all the way back around to actually the point of this fucking podcast, my uh, dad, uh, a.k.a. my grandfather, is sort of getting up there in age and um, it's come to a point where every night before I go to bed, I say two things to myself. I say I love you uh, privately uh, to the girl that I've loved uh, for most of my adult life. Sometimes I say it out loud uh, into the ether. And other times I just whisper it in my brain to where nobody can hear me. And the second thing that I say before I, I pass out is God, please don't let him die. And that's a reference to my grandfather. And the reason why I do that is to remind myself that this day that just passed could have been the last day that I'm ever going to spend with him. And if he dies tomorrow, I need to understand that I need to behave in such a way that doesn't make the other people around me who are possibly suffering uncomfortable or it doesn't stress them out any more than they need to be because I can guarantee you that I know a couple of people in my life that when my that when my father passes away, aka my grandfather, they're gonna be a fucking wreck. And the last thing that they need is to have me be a fucking wreck is and the last thing that they fucking need is to have me be a fucking wreck with them. Me being a wreck isn't gonna fucking help anybody. So the calmer that I am, the more, the more subdued that I am, the more in control that I am, the better. Not just for them, but for me. I mean, I'll, you know, outwardly, on the surface, I'm not a guy that cries easily. I mean, when my dad died, I didn't cry. When my mom died, I did cry, but I cried in private. I'm not. Uh, the type of person that carries their emotions on their sleeve. I keep everything stuffed down inside and I deal with it internally. I don't deal with it externally like a lot of people do in the most awful situations of their lives. But with, you know, you know, but with that being said, I still find certain things about my behavior in awful situations like dealing with death to be unacceptable. And, I don't know why my brain goes to, you know, you need to behave in such a way, you know, when you're dealing with this life and death situation. I don't know if that's a coping. I don't know if that's a coping. I don't know if that's a coping mechanism that my brain sort of launches me in to sort of distract me from the awful situation that I, you know, that I could be dealing with at that time. But it's a really sucky coping. It's a really sucky coping mechanism and I don't want to change it I just want to feel better and I just want to be I just want to carry myself with a different aura the next time I'm, the next time that I'm around death now I acknowledge this is a really fucked up thing to think about but I really need to think about it because I don't 
I don't want to not think about it and then to have it happen and then just to freak the fuck out. I want to be, I want to have a sense of calmness and a sense of peace when my grandfather does eventually go. And I feel that if I had that calmness and that, I feel that if I had that sense of calmness and that sense of peace within me, I'll be, I will, I will handle the situation better. And I, again, I'll be better for those people around me who, who will be possibly suffering more than me. I mean, granted, I'm going to be suffering immensely, but I don't want to show any of it on my face. I want to have it all up inside. And when when I feel it's pertinent, I will deal with my emotions privately because I do not want to fall apart in front of... I do not want to fall apart in front of my family. That's just not something that I'm comfortable doing. Hell, I don't think that's something that I've ever felt comfortable uh, doing uh, in front of my family and in front of in front of the people that I really love. I, I the, the only the only the only I've I've only felt comfortable falling apart. Uh, you know, and that's deeply crying, that's sobbing. I've only felt comfortable falling apart in front of three people in my life. One of them is my best friend, and two of them, uh, uh, the other two, are the only uh, two women that I've ever loved in my entire life. One, one of them I actually dated, and I fucked up royally, which I will never forgive myself for, and the other one broke my fucking heart, and I've talked about her uh, on the show, but I'm not, you know, you know, those are the only two, th- those are the only three people that I would feel comfortable falling apart in, in front of and not feeling like, like I need to tighten up or, or, or this is not appropriate. Those people are the only people that I would feel safe falling apart on. Um, if that makes any sense. So yeah, I, I I just have that 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 really strange fucked up ritual of you know uh, sending a prayer out and sending a prayer out there um, into the universe for my for my grandfather you know aka my dad to be here just a little bit longer um, so I don't necessarily have to deal with the worst day of my entire life just yet. But um, throughout the years of me actually having this fucking stupid ritual, um, I've actually come to the fruition that when it does happen, I will be okay. I mean, granted, um, I can I can pretty much handle my, you know, you, you know, my fucking shit. I can pretty much handle everything that I have to do to, to survive, but if I can't, I need to understand that I will have people that will help me, uh, um, that will help me deal with the stuff that I can't necessarily handle on my own. But here's the thing: for the first time in a long time, I'm beginning to realize that I'm going to be okay. That my grandfather dying is going to be fucking awful and fucking tremendous, and it's going to leave a hole in me. But that hole in me is not going to be the end of me. So yeah, I mean, if 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 this fucked up um, a ritual of mine has taught me anything, it's taught me that 
it's taught me this simple lesson that when he goes, whether I want to believe it or not, I am going to be okay. All right, guys. Well, with that being said, I think that'll do it for this edition of the Red Wall Podcast, episode uh, 41, entitled uh, Living Nightmare. If you guys could do me a favor, if you're listening to this podcast after the fact on your on your uh, podcast provider of choice, if you could uh, leave me a comment or give me a star rating, that would help out the podcast greatly. Uh, but as always, uh, I really appreciate anybody out there in the universe who listens to my podcast and listens to me uh, basically broadcast my thoughts out there into the ether. I really appreciate you guys. You have no idea how much it means to me that you continue to listen to the show on a week-to-week basis. But until next time, I've been your master of ceremonies as usual. My name is Marcelo Nostroza, and as I often say, I'll see you when I see you.